Hello, shalom. Welcome to System Notes with Lavon. Today we are interviewing Lula Stagg, who's actually my mother, who's speaking about um, how the system was set up during her time as a child growing up in the bayous of Louisiana. So let's step in to this world with our guest, Lula Stagg, who is currently 84 years old, soon to be 85. Let us welcome her and take notes so that we can ask questions later. Thank you for your time. Remember to subscribe to our podcast, to our website, Created Habitation, We have memberships, we have newsletters, just to find out what the happenings are and the classes that are coming up on STAGU. And remember, you create your own habitation. Thank you and welcome. Uh, At a window. A special place where you could go. Well, we could, at the little place, you know, we couldn't go where the white folks went. They had the white and colored. Uh-huh. So we had to go to the colored side and get what we wanted. Yeah. We didn't care just so we got it. <laughs> what was it, <laughs> like food or candy? Or? Food, yeah. It, was, it, it had got what? They had a little place where we would go on the way home. We we wouldn't stop going in time, but when we was coming home, we would stop there and get us a sandwich or whatever they had, whatever we wanted, you know. Was there? Do you remember seeing the signs there? Yeah, the sign was up there, colored in white. Where was the color section? Did it you? was on one side and the white was on the other side. So you didn't have to go to the back. You just went. To no, the- we it they. It, it it was at the front. We could go to the front. It was a round place. Okay. And they had white and colored, you know. But it just let you know where you could go. How did they and treat you guys? They was nice. Yeah. They okay. never did us nothing. Okay. So uh, we would get our stuff, and we'd get us a drink of water at that fountain with the white and colored. And, uh... They didn't have no bathroom. We ain't had nowhere to go to. And you couldn't go to no restaurants that I know of. They had black cooks and stuff, but that's, that was about it. Mm-hmm. And then when they put that little place up, we was glad. Because we was, well, we wouldn't be hungry, but we'd spend money there to get different little things, you know. Candy and ice cream and cookies and stuff. And I don't know what all they had, but I know we would, we would go there every day. And especially on Sundays from when we'd leave church, we'd leave mass. We'd go over there and get our whatever we wanted and walk on home and eat it. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, that was it. We just, you know. We didn't bother nobody. Nobody didn't bother us. Nobody didn't bother us th- at that time. Mm-hmm. It was, you know, it was afterwards. Then, 
they start killing people and stuff mm. in the street. They couldn't walk. People can't walk down there no more. Mm. They kill them. They beat them up and kill them. But at that time, we would go to church and we'd walk home at night by ourselves. Wow. You know, we'd have a guy or something with us, but we wouldn't. They wouldn't bother us. That's in the 30s and 40s. No, it was in the oh, 50s and 60s. In the 50s and 60s. 60s, okay. yeah. And uh, <clears throat> they would pick us up. People would pick pass and pick us up. You get in the car with anybody, and they'd brought, where you going? They'd bring you right to your house. Mm-hmm. And uh, any color or just any color, mm-hmm. any color. I remember when we was going to school, we walked. I think it was seven or eight miles. Back and forth, mm-hmm. seven miles to there and seven miles back. And we'd walk to school. Every morning was a white man would pass in his car every morning. And he'd put all of us in that car and bring us to school. Wow. And sometimes he would pick us up in the, in the afternoon and bring us home. I never knew who that man was. Wow. But he would do that for us, you know. And... <coughs> Some people would be just going around the block. Mm-hmm. And I remember uh, this lady, she was a journalist. What was her name? I can't think of her name, but she used to write for the newspaper at home. And she lived right before you got to town. And she would, come on, y'all, get in. She had a little station wagon at that time. Mm-hmm. She had about three or four kids. Come on, get in. It ain't fun, but y'all can get a little ride. And she would ride it, bring us to her house, put us out, and we'd walk on the way home, you know. What was that lady name? I, I, I saw it the other day on a newspaper. What's but the name of the um, the newspaper? Bunky Record. The Bunky Record. Okay. Louisiana. Uh, what her name was? Don't it. I can't think of her name. <laughs> And I knew her good because we used to call her you my name, you know, Miss. Well, I can't think her name now. I had Denise, t- uh, I mean Tina, go see because she finally, but she probably did not because she was, she was married and had children. Then we was young girls, you know, mm-hmm. so she probably did not. What that lady name, Miss? Uh, her husband was a bookkeeper. That's what they call him then. I don't know what they... Accountant. He's a bookkeeper, and she was a journalist. What a name. She used to write all the the stuff about everything, you know, Mm -hmm. in the newspaper. Okay. Teen probably knew. I can't think of her name right now. It'll come to me after a while, but Teen probably knew her. I can't think of her name. And anyway, she, we'd walk. And one time we we went to town, and we had this this boy that would be with us all the time. We'd go to school with him and his sister. We'd catch up with them and go to school with them. And one time he he threw a rock in the yard at some white boys, and them white boys got behind us and made us go in the ditch and everything. And his grandma went and told they mama on them. And she said, y'all shouldn't do those children like that. 
But they was mad with us. I mean, we was in the ditch and everything, but we were scared to go to school after that. Because mm-hmm. they, they had did us so bad, you know. Mm-hmm. But that boy, had he, he had started it. He threw it in the yard, but we wouldn't, it wasn't our fault because he did it, you know. Right. But we was all walking together, and they showed. We were scared after that. Mm-hmm. But after his grandma went over there and talked to the lady about him, they, they didn't bother us no more, but we we were scared of him, you know? Mm-hmm. So, <clears throat> we were, other than that, we never had no problem with no, nobody. Everybody was nice to us, you know? Mm-hmm. And you ain't had to worry about, you know, nobody bothering you or nothing. So we was blessed for that. Mm-hmm. We didn't know no better, and we ain't, you know, we ain't know nothing much about slavery or nothing. They hadn't taught us, told us nothing about it. All we knew was the name slave. We didn't know what it meant, oh, wow. meaning what was behind it. They didn't teach mm-hmm. it in school, mm-hmm. and they didn't teach it at home. So mm-hmm. until we got old enough to read about it. They didn't say anything. Some of the stuff. Mm. Did they say anything about slavery in school? Did they mention blacks in school? African Americans, Africans? Not that I can remember. Mm. All I know is we had to walk to school and they would pass. The white children had the bus and they would pass by and lick at us, lick their tongue at us in the bus. Mm. We'd be in all the cold and rain, and they'd be just laughing at us because we had to walk. Mm-hmm. By the time the bus started coming, I didn't even want to go to school no more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's weird. But uh, anyway, some of them got to go on the bus. Marguerite and Alice and Debbie and them, they went on the bus. But younger sibling. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Your younger sibling. What about Uncle Junior? Did he go too? No, Junior didn't never go to school. Mm-hmm. He had them seizures, okay. and he never would go nowhere. Somebody, somebody say he went to school, but I ain't never know Junior would go to no school. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Who that boy said that? How did he start getting seizures? He had a. Uh, he had got the fever so high mm. from the measles oh, wow. and the whooping cough. Mm-hmm. And the doctor couldn't, well, you know, that we lived way out in the country. The doctor couldn't come till a few days later. And then when he got there, it was too late. Mm. It was lucky he didn't die. His fever was so high, you know. And and them time, people didn't know what to do for children, you know. Mother did what she could, but... By the time the doctor got over there, he would start having them seizures, and after that, he just had them till he died. Mm-hmm. His fever had got too high, I guess. Mm-hmm. And he was—he never did go to school, but he was smart, smart. He would make wheelbars and and all kind of toys. You know, we wasn't able to buy none, mm-hmm. so everything he would see, he'd come home and make it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And dared you to put a put a hand on it because it was his. 
Somebody was telling me that the other day. Remember? I said, yeah, I remember how Jen used to make all them toys and stuff. All them wheelbarrows and things. Thing with wheels on it, and they would turn. I said, that's how that invention started, you know. Mm-hmm. And people would take it from the white. People would take mm-hmm. it from the black. Because, uh... Ain't nobody had taught him how to do it. He'd watch stuff and he'd see stuff and he'd go home with it, whether he wanted it or not. But he know he couldn't afford it, I guess. So he'd say, well, I'm going to make this myself. And he would. Mm. <coughs> and he would take off sometime. We didn't know where he was. And look like <coughs> when he get Get near water, he'd have them seizures and look like they wanted to drown them. Mm. <coughs> One night we, we didn't know where Junior was. Where is Junior? Nobody didn't know where Junior was. Must say, I'm going to see about my child. What my child is, because he should be home. Went, honey, he had and took off and was on his way to Palm House and hadn't had a seizure mm. and got caught. Got wrapped all up in a wire, girl. His legs and everything was all like somebody had been just some wind up, up in that wire. Well, had a time to take him out of that wire. Wow. She didn't want him to go places, but he would go anyway. He would steal off and go. And and Sarah Ann, Sarah Ann Ford, mm-hmm. her daddy lived, they lived around the bar. In the house where I was born, and me and mm-hmm. Tina lying there. The bar, like, is that the bayou, like the water? The bayou, mm-hmm. yeah, it had a bayou in front mm-hmm. of the house. And we would call it around the bayou. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was, when Bo left, Sarah Ann's father, they mm-hmm. left, they went, they moved far away. <laughs> he wanted to see Bo. You can't go see Bo. Bo lived too far, number. I'm going to see Bo. I like to see Bo. I'm going to see Bo. You know, he took off and went to see Bo. <laughs> well, wait. <laughs> they had to go get him. Oh, that Junior was something else. Did he see Bo? Yeah, he go see Bo. He just had to see Bo. <laughs> when he got Bo on his mind, he was gone. <clears throat> yeah. That junior was a mess. <laughs> and but Lionel, he stole off one time. Mm. We didn't know where he was for weeks. What? Poor Mo was so worried about it. Where's my child? And, and somebody said, <coughs> finally came home and said, I, I saw Lionel the other day. And we were all surprised. Where you seen him at? At Mr. Clayton. Had and took off and went to Mother's daddy's house. <laughs> and was standing over there, and they didn't even tell him. They well, they ain't had no phone to call, but they could have brought him home. But he, Grandpa didn't care because he wanted to lie there with him anyway. Mm. And so Mother got a cab and went and got him. Mm. And Lord, I didn't know where my child was. A cab? Uh, a cab. A taxi cab. They had taxi cab. Yeah, they had like taxi cab. Mm, Cause we didn't have no car, mm-hmm. so we had. That's what we did. She got that taxi cab. I don't know how she got it. I guess she went. They called. We used to call the big yard, the big house the yard. Mm-hmm. 
she went to, I guess she went to the yard and he called a cab up and <clears throat> Dad would always keep a little change in his pocket, you know, because he was a barber. He'd cut hair and stuff. Mm-hmm. And so <clears throat> they had enough money to pay the cab to go and get him. He sure didn't want to come back. Mm. But Moen made him cut, come back. He was still off anyway, but at least we knew where he was then, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, we we had a hard time. <clears throat> yeah. Joy was writing that does had that on it. I wouldn't tell mm-hmm. all what I went through with. I said, mm-hmm. I can't tell you all of it because it's too much. Yeah, it's too it. much for you. You couldn't take it. Mm-hmm. And it didn't get no better. It got worse. Mm-hmm. Look like the old we got and you start working. It, it, it didn't get no better. <laughs> mm-hmm. Not working, working. <clears throat> you know, like this, I didn't... I'd, I'd work and I'd get so tired and be hurting so bad. I could, I'd work so much. And then the, the, the boss man said I ain't, I wouldn't, I didn't have enough time on the books to put on a, on a cigarette paper. <laughs> <laughs> Who was the boss and what was you doing? He, he was over us. And what were you guys doing? We'd be hoeing cotton or can and stuff. Oh, okay. And the, <clears throat> He said, I was behind everybody mm. in the field. They say, uh, so they had another white man over us in the field. He said, I don't try to help that girl, and she, uh, she won't keep up with you. <clears throat> so the but big boss came in the field and he said, well, leave her alone, say. Because she ain't going to stop till she get all the grass out of there. Say, look at that. I was pulling the grass. They were just cutting and cutting. And I I just couldn't stand to see, leave no grass behind. <laughs> so he said, leave her alone. And when, she, when y'all get through, y'all go help her to come to the end. And finally one day the man was complaining so much. Uh, the boss man said, Lula, get in the truck. I'm going to take you home to help his, his wife, you know. Mm-hmm. So I went over there <coughs> to help his wife because uh, Sarah Ann's mother would work at the church. I think mm-hmm. she had had a baby or something. Mm-hmm. So Miss the lady was there by herself, so she, she said, get in the truck. I got in the truck. He brought me to the house. <coughs> And when I got there, she was cooking. Mm-hmm. So she said, Lulu, you get in there and cook some rice. She said, I done put something on, some meat on. She said, I'm going to turn the pot on low and it'll, it'll be cooked by 12 o'clock. And she said, all you got to do is cook some rice and clean up a little bit around the house. So that's what I did. Mm-hmm. And I ain't know nothing about cooking. <laughs> so I cooked the rice, and the rice was green. Green? Well, you had to put vinegar in the water. Oh. But I said, now, what in the world, what more put in this water to make the rice white? Then I thought about it, so I got a top, and I pulled the 
vinegar over the rice, and it got, you know, some of it got white. So I cleaned up and did all of that, and by the time 12 o'clock, the bell would ring. Mm-hmm. So that was time for you to go home. Mm-hmm. So I just turned the pot off, everything, closed the door, and left. Mm-hmm. By the time the, they got there, I was gone. <laughs> I ain't going to be here when it comes to I went on home, and, and I went back in the field at the evening. I didn't go back to the house, because she was knackered. She said she was going to get her son in Baton Rouge, the one made the, wrote the book by uh-huh. Shirley Rowe. Uh-huh. He was in college in uh, Baton Rouge, and she had went to pick him up. Okay. So I said, well, when they come, I'll be in the field. I ain't going to be here when they get here, you know. Uh-huh. But all before, that boy, we used to all work together in the field together, you know. Mm-hmm. And go pick cotton and stuff. His younger brother was Lionel and Joe's friend. My brother, they was mm-hmm. real good friends. And, uh, <coughs> we, Yes, we did pretty good. Did the best we could, you know. Was it a lot of people we, in the field? Or? Oh yeah, everybody was in that. Yeah, actually, everybody was in the field, but more. Mm. More would stay home. Okay. All everybody else was in the field. <coughs> We'd be so glad when. When it was time to go back in the field, because we know we could, well, we would never stop going to the to the company store and buying what we wanted. But mm-hmm. when the work would start opening up, it was more easier for us. You know, mm-hmm. we could get what we wanted. I'd I'd buy just what I wanted. I got to say, you know, they was good, and that point, of course we get in bit in debt. Till they didn't want me to have no more stuff. <laughs> I, I went and told the big boss one day I wasn't working no more because he wouldn't loan me no money. <laughs> he told me I was too young. To, he said, you owe over $1,000. He said, you're too young over that much money. He said, we ain't, we're not going to loan you nothing. He said, pay what you got. I said, well, I know one thing. I said, if I can't borrow no money, I said, I ain't working. He said, suit yourself. <laughs> and and then it was a clerk, a little Italian man in there. He's clerk. And he, he, he said, Lula, what's wrong? I said, they won't let me have no money. I said, and I, I just wanted $5. He said, I'll let you have it. He, and that's when we go to him. Mm-hmm. When we needed money and we didn't have it, he would let us have it. And we'd go right back and pay him because he would, he would let us have it each time. He was a little short man and like Phil. Mm-hmm. And his little wife was short too. <laughs> and, uh, we'd go in that store and get anything we wanted. We'd order everything he'd ordered for us. <laughs> and we didn't want nobody to wait on us but him. <laughs> I remember one time a lady say <clears throat> had another man was waiting, but was a clerk in there too, and he it had so many of us on Saturday. You know, we'd mm-hmm. have 
one Saturday we'd have, we could go to the store, and the next Saturday, the other plantation would go. Mm-hmm. So we went to this man. He, <coughs> she, she had to run and drink, and had got high. Mm-hmm. And the man went to the man. We was all used to the, the Mr. Shorter to wait on us. That's what we call him. Mm-hmm. So this other man was working at. And so he said, she said, come, come on. He said, I, I'm going to help today. He said, I'm, I'm here to help today. I'm, I'll do your groceries. When got her grocery shop, she said he hadn't cheated her. <laughs> Did she fuss? He, so Mr. Charter said, well, let me do it over. Then I'll do it for you. I'll do it over. Mr. Charter did it over. He said, he didn't even charge you no tax. <laughs> oh, he had to pay more. <laughs> yeah, he said he didn't even charge you no tax. Hmm. Say it wasn't as it is it's more than he said it was. Hmm. But I don't know what happened. Some kind of way it got cleared up. <laughs> she didn't want to pay no more, hmm. and she didn't want him to pay food with her no more. Hmm. So boy, we we uh, we all was behind Mister Charter though. But he couldn't wait on all of us. It was too many of us. Mm. And on and the week we could go there and he you know, one or two people. Mm-hmm. He'd wait on us, but uh we'd wait around till there wasn't nobody there but him. Mm-hmm. So we could go because he was so nice to everybody, you know. Mm-hmm. But them other other people, they was you know, they it cared that more or less, you know, they just was making a living. But that other man, Mr. Shorter, seemed like he cared about, you know, black people. Mm-hmm. He didn't seem like he was prejudiced, you know. Yeah. The others did. So everybody wanted him to do, do their groceries and stuff. Okay. <laughs> Thank you for sharing part of your life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Appreciate uh, you. There's a lot more that I you like talking no more. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. That was my mother, Luga Stag, Clayton Alexander Stag, as I call her sometimes. <laughs> Thank you for your time. Love you. That was a wonderful interview from Lula. M. Stagg on her childhoods growing up in the bayou of uh, Louisiana. And she just shared a little bit of how she dealt with um, uh, what was it, white and colored signs and the, your place and uh, tensions, if you will, between uh, blacks and white during the time that she was a child growing up in the um, 40s, 50s, and early 60s. Thank you all for listening. Remember to subscribe to our podcast and our website, Created Habitation. Be sure to sign up for our newsletter so that you'll know the happenings and events that are coming. Thank you for your time, and remember, you create your own habitation.